everyone, and welcome to episode number 240 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Philip Morgan. Hello, hello. And Curtis McHale. Hello. And Jonathan Stark. Hey, everybody. And I'm Ruben Lerner. And this week, we have a special guest, Nathan Lee. Hey, Nathan. Hello. So, who are you, Nathan? Tell, tell us and our audience all about yourself, and then we'll get into our our questioning and probing of you. Sure. Uh, so I am a, uh, I help companies automate their back office software needs. So I've been a software developer for uh, 15 plus years. Um, I've been in various uh, different enterprises, whatnot. So uh, my main experience has been, you know, uh, I've worked for a uh, internet of things business for about eight years. Uh, I also worked at a financial media company building a, soft, uh, building a software platform, an infrastructure platform from scratch. Um, and most recently, I've made the switch to freelance and kind of going on my own. And right now, I'm in the progress of, of basically building up a business from scratch, uh, trying to attract the right clients and whatnot and getting a lot into all the marketing and sales stuff that us developers say we hate. So, and uh, I'm actually enjoying it quite a lot. So uh, that, that's kind of my background and yeah. TimberTax.co was founded to bring client service to tax time for freelancers and consultants. A web-based experience from end to end, including direct interaction with certified professionals, Timber is able to help you stay compliant and plan for the future. Taxes are often the biggest expense faced by freelancers and consultants. Are you investing in planning and understanding how to minimize your tax and manage your cash flow? Taxes don't have to be intimidating or scary. With our client-first approach and accessibility, you never have to wonder where your return is or when you'll get your refund. Book a free consultation today or check to see if your tax question is on our FAQ at TimberTax.co. And so from, from what we discussed before uh, we started recording, so you're, you're thinking in terms of uh, one or more productized uh, services. Yes. So um, I have a bunch of ideas for potential uh, productized services. So um, I've, I've done a lot of work uh, within kind of the DevOps space. Um, and I've also done a lot of work with uh, Internet of Things type, you know, uh, devices and whatnot. Uh, so there, there's, I see the ability to kind of package up a, a small product potentially and go from there. Um, should I elaborate more on, on any of my ideas or why not? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so um, what I've done a lot in, in various different places I've been at, uh, I always end up working on kind of the the deployment process um, so taking the the code we build and then putting that code on a server uh, typically most developers they just they just like to code and they kind of when they have to get something live they kind of fuddle around and get it there but they don't usually worry about automating it or or making a repeatable process so I've done a lot of that myself, and most of it is 
is fairly constrained in the amount of work that is required to get it done if you're using things like Heroku and GitHub. Uh, so I, I'm thinking of somehow packaging up, like I'll come in, build a deployment pipeline for you for a fixed cost, and it, then you run with it whatnot. Uh, so that's one idea. Um, there's other ideas with uh, basically taking uh, somebody's Heroku infrastructure, transitioning it to Kubernetes or something like that. That one is a little more fuzzy, though, so I'm not sure about that. Um, there are other ideas with uh, moving people off of DigitalOcean on Heroku, uh, those kinds of things. Um, so that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, yeah. So any thoughts there? <laughs> Which one of your those options have your clients come to you most to do? Um, in terms of freelance, um, I haven't had any clients yet. Um, the hardest thing I find with uh, these kinds of things is is people don't typically realize they need it. So finding a marketing angle has been difficult for me. So I typically it's been I've been in a place doing just regular software development, and then I end up like, well, you know. You could probably save a ton of time if you added a build pipeline or something. And that, that's typically how uh, these things get rolling. So uh, putting uh, together a sales page has kind of been the hard part for me and like just uh, things like that. That's always, that's always tough to uh, get somebody to buy the medicine when they don't know they have the ailment that it cures. Um, I, I don't think it's impossible, but I, I think that's one of the things we should explore as we uh, go through this um, is how could, what's, what's the sort of presenting symptom that would bring somebody into Dr. Nathan's office to, you know, to get these, these kind of solutions. Um, so, I mean, just to build on, on Curtis's question, are there any variations of the ideas that you presented? Uh, there's, I mean, one, the, the, there's the, the Heroku to Kubernetes is kind of like uh, uh, migration, right? Like migrate yeah. off platform A onto platform B because of some reason, right? And then the other one is, is more about really optimizing, right? Yes. Is that how you think about it? Okay. That's how I would think about it, yeah. So, again, just to kind of amplify Curtis's question, in any of those cases, have clients come to you saying, I want this exact thing, like going to a doctor and saying, I need you to prescribe medication X because I have this? Or do they come in more with symptoms that are where the right solution is one of the services you described? Mm, it's probably they would come in more with symptoms. Um, Typically, you would see from the perspective of the organization, they would see things like uh, problems 
with inconsistent deployments or occasionally breaking things when they're pushing out new changes because somebody didn't follow a step. Because uh, they're, they're typically going from some sort of um, process that's either in somebody's brain and nobody else knows how to... Uh, that, that's probably one of the, the biggest uh, problems is that there is one person in the company that knows how to get the code onto production. And whenever they go on vacation, uh, things kind of go to a standstill and, and nothing happens. So there's some sort of critical bug happens. They have to call that guy on vacation or, or they have to find piece together three different people who kind of know three different parts of the process. And then maybe those people will, over the course of a day or two will be able to figure it out while the other guy's on vacation. Uh, so that's one of the symptoms. Another one is just, yeah, they're breaking things when they deploy all the time because uh, there's no one person that does it and everybody does it differently. Right. Um, so those, those would be the symptoms people would see. Okay. Um, but it's, it's one of those symptoms that like people don't even realize that they're, they're hurting, like they're in pain, but you know, until you cure that pain, they don't realize that they were suffering from it. Right. Cause my next question was going to be, how do they move from awareness of the, the symptom or the problem to doing something about it? Like what, what spurs them into action such that they're willing to break out of the most powerful force known to mankind, which is the status quo and actually, you know, seek to change the status quo. Mm, Probably the one I've seen is somebody messes up their production site fairly bad. So they, they'll, they'll deploy code. That's like three months old by accident and roll back their site to code that was running three months ago. And, if they've done anything to any of their systems, probably that the entire thing is going to go down because like it's just erroring out, and then I'll okay <laughs> to track down what's going on. So that's probably what would spur somebody into uh, action to deal with it. Okay, so a botched deployment. Yeah. Okay. These sound like a lot of things that companies should be worried about. I mean, maybe, maybe they're not um, like familiar with the, maybe, maybe they're not recognizing the pain that they're experiencing, but it definitely, but, but it definitely seems like th- these are problems. Like if someone goes on vacation, they can't deploy their code, or if they're, gonna, if they're in danger of deploying code from a few months ago, that's a serious business risk right there. Right there. Absolutely, yeah. Um, that, that has been the biggest problem I've had is, is just lack of, words to communicate to the business like how serious it is uh it's it's almost like insurance right like you don't you don't want to buy insurance because for whatever reason like it, it costs money and it's some vague problem down the road that you might have to deal with 
Yeah, I've done stuff like this before, but I was hired originally as like the e-commerce expert. And when we looked at their deployment stuff, I said, well, you're doing what? And they said, well, the site's been crashing. Well, of course it has been because <laughs> they were just cowboy coding right on the server. And yeah. And that's like, but I, the way that they found me or I got in there was from a, like a blog post saying I was an e-commerce expert on another site. And then they decided I was the right person to talk to about this, about, you know, about a lot of other things, but that was definitely one of the things we talked about their lack of any type of deployment or version control. Uh, how, how this, maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but it's not obvious to me how this can be a productized service. Like it's a, it's, it might be a crucial one, and I, I can I can believe that you can market this to people. Like it might take a little figuring out, but maybe I'm wrong. It just seems like every company does things differently with different types of servers, different technologies, different policies. Is this something that lends itself to productized consulting? Uh, I think it depends on how narrow you do it, right? So yeah. I do mostly WordPress sites. And I could say for 99% of WordPress sites, we could deploy with a service called deploy or Beanstalk or something. And that would cover the needs they really have. Right. So depending on the, how narrow the niche is, if you choose, we're going to do Python with whatever, then you could probably do it as a productized service because your variables would be so much smaller. Yeah. From, uh, I was thinking coming from Ruby background, um, typically people are deploying, uh, their Ruby code to uh, Heroku. So uh, there's actually, it's it's almost, it, it's pretty easy to uh, deploy a Ruby on Rails site to Heroku nowadays. You just, there's a couple button presses you can do and it'll it basically do everything for you um, with the exception of running your tests and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, if you limit it to, say, Ruby on Rails or, or Node.js uh, and Heroku, uh, it's it's pretty standard uh, setup. Yeah, or, or at the very least, you're going to have two or three options that work pretty much all the time, right? Yeah. That you, that you could be intimately familiar with why each option would be best for a certain scenario. Yeah, for sure. Um, see. So what you, you mentioned earlier that you, that these were things that you did while you were kind of like on site in the middle of another project, right? Yeah. Or yeah. So what, what were the things that got you in the door in the first place, which then, you know, you were like, Hey, you know, I'm here to do this, but did you guys realize that? you know, these problems that we're having could be solved with this other approach. So like maybe there's a foot in the door service that precedes this particular one. Uh, typically getting my foot in the door has just been uh, usually hired as a general Ruby on Rails developer. Um, I usually emphasize fairly heavily that I have DevOps knowledge, um, so I know the server stuff as well as as the coding, um, which a lot of devs tend to avoid that stuff. Um, but it, it hasn't really been anything other than that in particular. 
Okay. So yeah, we wouldn't want to leave with that. So what's the, what's the, to come at it from another angle, what is the um, ideal kind of client who would probably be experiencing, or what is the most likely kind of client that would experiencing something like uh, a botched deployment or someone who, because there were two, two big problems that you mentioned earlier for which this is a solution. One is the botched deployment and oh man, what do we do? The production is hosed. But the other one I think is uh, equally interesting to the same person, in fact, probably probably the founder, owner, president, whoever's in charge, uh, but that lack of control, you know, so you, you might even, you might have sort of a lead developer who has the keys to the kingdom, it might not even be an employee who has the keys to the kingdom. And, you know, if they go on vacation or they flake out and they disappear and, you know, you need to, I don't know, push a critical fix to production, it's going to take three days. So it's kind of like, what's the, you know, the, the, so, so those, those two different problems. One is like, one is like, what's, uh, what I'm trying to say, one of the problems is like a lack of control over the core feature of the business. Cause I'm assuming, you know, some kind of a SaaS. and the other one is brand damage, uh, customer retention because downtime. Mm-hmm. So down, downtime is one control is the other. Both of those are probably of most interest to CTO or CEO of a business, you know, somebody way at the top. And in your experience, are there companies that, you know, basically their entire business is built on this core software infrastructure that has lots of deployments. So it it would need to be something that is getting updated frequently and it would need to be absolutely mission critical to the business. Yeah, I I would, most of those I would see are, uh, small startups or uh, software as a service companies. Um, when, once they get past a certain size, they usually decide to, uh, somebody at least figures out that they need to uh, have somebody responsible for managing their site and doing deployments. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's typically going to be your smaller uh, software as a service companies. Maybe, one even one founder may up to five people kind of deal mm-hmm. um i've also seen it where there are software agencies that just do general uh, rails or node.js development for various different places where they're supporting you know 20 or 30 old customer sites where they they're They'll periodically do uh, updates to those sites, um, and then occasionally they'll want to. Yeah, they'll they'll do an update, and they'll have to remember how to um, update that software from since because they haven't done an update in six months to a year. Um, right, and they can't so, even remember how to do it. Yeah, or they they might have even lost contact with their original 
agency or they've closed shop or switched to a new company or whatnot. Mm. So how would you, uh, you, are you aware of a way that you could kind of find companies in that situation? You know, find companies that fit that, those criteria in order to say, do some sort of marketing activities to help attract them. Uh, I think that's been one of the stumbling blocks for me is finding those specific companies, even even just finding company or people to talk to that um, would give me a better idea of their needs and whatnot. It, it's typically been sort of an ad hoc thing for me in the, in the past, so I, I don't have any uh, source where I can go to. <clears throat> mm. So I, I think that that's probably the biggest stumbling block for me right now. The, the usual workaround for that is <clears throat> instead of um, standardizing the delivery of the service, you standardize the ex- you know, the, the paid exploration part, you know, road mapping a la Brennan Dunn, or you can just think of it as paid, um, a paid discovery of like what exactly the problem is. Um, I mean, that, that that's why I think all of our questions thus far have been about patterns and the word usually is showing up a lot <laughs> because we're like looking for what's the, what's the part that is the pattern that you could sort of coalesce this, uh, this idea around so that you're not selling one off every time you're, you're selling a repeatable fix to a very common problem. Right. And the other, the other thing to think about is that like, don't be married to the particular idea. So like, this is super awkward because we also talked about this in private. So I'm kind of like having (laughs) wicked deja vu. But I'm trying like so if, but if we just imagine that this is for the benefit of the listeners as much as anyone else, uh, the imagine that you just divorce yourself from this idea of leading with the solution like, hey, I've got this skill set. It's been valuable and I know it's valuable, but what you, what we're all discovering is it's really hard to market It's it's a very hard thing to market because there's no there's not a strong ideal target market or, or type of client or vertical that, or, or easy outreach signals that we'd say, Oh, like this company obviously has this problem. You know, like it, it's not like, Oh, I help people who have crappy iOS apps. You just go to the app store and look for people who have one star simple, you know, but this is like people whose website crashes a lot or CEOs who feel a lack of control because they're outsourcing their development to third parties who go on vacation or disappear periodically. Nobody knows that. It's not obvious. So you're forced into a uh, sort of a long tail uh, inbound marketing game where you just kind of put, put, you know, talk about this in hopes that someone will self-identify and be like, oh, that's me. But that's a pretty tough way to get started. It's it's much nicer mm-hmm. to get started where you've got the capability for outreach, and that requires that you that that your target market has some identifiable out 
outwardly identifiable characteristic so that you can say, I help people who have three legs, you know, get a, you buy pants. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone knows this person has three legs, like their friend. Hey, I know someone with three legs. They need to buy pants. You know, it's an, it's clear, obvious outward, you know, more realistic would be, uh, I help, uh, pregnant women with chronic lower back pain without taking medicine, you know, like, uh, standard pharmaceuticals or people, you know, women over 60 who suffer from migraines. If you know a woman over, you know, if you know a woman over 60 who suffers migraines because it comes up. So it probably doesn't come up like in general conversation at a barbecue that, man, I really wish my developers would stop disappearing. So I didn't feel so nervous about needing to send fixes to production, you know, Mm -hmm. at a moment's notice. It's just a, like, I'm not, it's a valuable service. I think we all agree that it's a valuable service, but marketing it is brutal. Let me interrupt, except for to your existing clients. And then it, I, I, I use internet marketing terminology and refer to that as a backend service. So there's, there's, t- there's a lot of more opportunity to take something like what you're talking about, Nathan, and, and standardize it. And it's like, okay, I charge you, you know, $8,000 to, build a deployment pipeline for you and and you can there are some opportunities to standardize it not not maybe as much as what we're all hoping for here but if you're selling it to existing clients well then you have that perfect knowledge of of their all their warts and problems and then you can you can kind of construct a value proposition and make a sales presentation that that speaks to that so i just sorry to interrupt jonathan but i just wanted to jump in that uh, that that's that's the sort of one big exception where yes you can because you know and and really <laughs> knowing's half the battle knowing yeah absolutely. yeah it's totally totally that, agree yeah yeah anyway sorry to go ahead Jonathan so uh, kind of like where my head's going is is there so like I think the service is productizable and standardizable but is it is it marketable that's the tricky thing and and so to mm-hmm. Philip's point it it you know, if you have it on your menu of options on your site, existing customers would probably be very interested in it. So I guess the the real question here is, would this is this the best offering to create customers? So to convert someone from somebody who hasn't paid Nathan into somebody who has paid Nathan? Because once that's a huge difference. Once you're having a conversation and you're in meetings with them and these other things, other things will come up and then it's not as much of a, you know, like Philip's saying, it's like, it's a completely different ball of wax. Once you are having a conversation with someone who's paid you money to do a thing. So it's like, what would be a good lead in service to this that would be attractive to the same target market, which we haven't really identified to my satisfaction yet. But if if we could identify a target market, and find like a similar or certainly a, a, a um, s- something that is even more likely to be the thing that they're going to ask for initially from somebody like you, then your foot's in the door. Once your foot's in the cool. door, then it, you can sort of spread the, they can sort of explore your offerings after that in a much more casual way. Okay. Well, at, at, at the risk of being the guy who like beats, beats the dead horse, um, have you considered teaching a class in doing DevOps stuff? 
because I know, look, I know the companies are desperate for DevOps people. And so the knowledge is not out there. And you clearly know how to do it. I mean, whether you're just in getting up in front of people and talking about it is another question and, 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 and a good question to ask. But that might, first of all, be easier to sell. Like, I will teach you how to make your Heroku server rollouts more robust. And, and then along the way, you'll get questions from participants that can help you to solidify a productized offering. Like, you'll know what, what if you hear the same question from three companies, that might make it easier to, to know what direction to go in. Right. That, that does actually make a lot of sense. Um, I, I could definitely put something together that addressed that for sure. Um, that's very interesting. So, also- Ruben, you said you, you sound, with much confidence, you said that companies are desperate for this. What kind of companies? Um, look, the, the, I mean, I've dealt with both large companies and then like startups, but in general, especially the startups, especially the startups where they're you know running around crazy. You know, they've got a handful of people, or maybe like two handfuls of people, very small people, I guess, and <laughs> they're trying to deploy in a reasonable way, and they just like they're so busy with other things they haven't really considered it. Look, I've just dealt in the last two months, three months, with two such companies. One company where they've just been outsourcing all their development because they don't know anything about it. And so, you know, I think it was Curtis mentioned before, you know, cowboy coding on the server. That's what they had. And that's what they currently have because basically we said, like, we had to just get the thing stable. So we got it stable. So now these things are in Git and now they can deploy, but it's still far from ideal. And another company I've been dealing with, like, we're working now on deploying in a normal way. So I know that these problems exist. And I've got to assume they're pretty pervasive in the industry. Is there, do you just, this is probably, the answer is probably no, but is there an opportunity to target Rails dev shops and say, I will train you how to do continuous or, you know, uh, build automation and deployment for your customers? Because it'd be really easy to target, you'd be really easy to find them. And probably a lot of them kind of already know how to do this or they think they know how to do it, but maybe... Maybe they don't. I think that's worth trying, yeah. Hey, everybody. This is Charles Maxwood. I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about JS Remote Comp. Uh, We just picked speakers. Things are looking really good. And uh, we're really excited to cover a broad range of topics for JavaScript developers. So if you're looking to learn things about Node.js, about becoming a better developer, about deployment, about mobile development, and much more, and much more about JavaScript, then come check us out, jsremoteconf.com. You can also find it by going to devchat.tv slash conferences and then picking the conference you want. We have last year's recordings there. We have this year's uh, conference coming up. So make sure you get your ticket, and we'll see you there. I I like that. Uh, Yeah, that'd be easy to find. Um, And then just, yeah, offer thinking training them how training. to do it yeah probably probably training and start a conversation around the the results you know so build, build relationships with people mm-hmm. that, that's interesting because uh i have a friend of mine runs a rail shop who specifically came to me for advice like that 
So yeah, I, I totally.